Hey there out there. You are deeply tuned in right now, man, to the Real People Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ginsberg. I said that kind of aggressively. I'm your host, Andrew Ginsberg. Get it right. There's no other host. Um, thanks for joining on this cold February day. Unless you're somewhere else. In which case, enjoy the sun. Um, I have a great guest today. Glenn Rosenthal is on the show. Glenn Rosenthal, ladies and gentlemen. Glenn Rosenthal is the CEO, founder, and master leatherman at caveleather.com. So we talk a lot about leather in this episode. And if you've ever had any questions about leather at all, this is the the episode to get those questions answered because we pretty much talked about leather the whole time. And it's super interesting because I didn't know anything about leather. I never really even thought about it. So we'll bring on Glenn in just a second. My 30-second deep thought this week is around sandwiches. Very deep thought around sandwiches. I don't know if this is just a New York City thing that I'm talking about. I've never experienced it anywhere else. But when you walk into a New York City deli, I kind of feel like I'm not an assertive person. And the reason I feel that way is because, you know when you order a sandwich in a deli and the person making the sandwich sort of predicts the sandwich before you get to finish ordering? So if you're like, I'll have a turkey sandwich, they'll immediately cut you off and be like, turkey, lettuce, tomato, onion, pickles on a long hoagie. And they kind of start making the sandwich and they're halfway through making it before you can tell them like, no, I wanted banana peppers on there. Ah, you already made the sandwich though. Oh, I don't want mayo. I don't want that much mayo. Oh, you're already pouring it all over it ah you know and then i don't know i don't want to stop somebody mid-flow and say hey i was really hoping for jalapenos and not that much mayo you know and then what are they going to do they're going to stop in the middle of it he's going to look around like where the jalapenos come from there's none here and then they have to walk over to that other spot in a new york deli where there's like a salad bar that i've never seen anybody use and they keep salad out there all the time you can go in there at three in the morning there's just all the salad ingredients are still out there i've never seen somebody order one they gotta walk all the way over there grab the jalapenos go back to the sandwich put them on the sandwich i'm just not assertive enough for that that's all i have to say about that does that happen to people you just kind of get the sandwich that they give you because they made it as soon as you said the word turkey they predicted it okay before I bring on Glenn, I want to say this uh, this one thing here. Uh, I was in a band like 10 years ago called Noistradamus. I know, it's a really great name. And uh, we made some good music that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of. And uh, we decided to re-release it for our 10-year anniversary. So just a quick, I'm not, I'm not here to pitch you on, you listen to my stuff, yo, listen to my mixtape. But, you know, if you, if you, if you don't mind, I'm going to put one of our songs at the end of this episode from Noistradamus, a song called Sinking Ships. And uh, you can go to www.noistradamus.com. The uh, link to that will be in the bio. And you can check out all of our old music. It's on Spotify, Tidal, Amazon Streaming Services, Google, anywhere you get anything, it's up there. So I just wanted to plug that. All right? Okay. Let's bring on Glenn. My guest today on the Real People Podcast is Glenn Rosenthal. Glenn is the owner and master leatherman at caveleather.com, made to order bands for the Apple Watch, regular watches, wallets, keychains, and Glenn makes all the templates and designs for his leather products himself. He also crafts the leather himself. So it was just an interesting conversation. I wanted to talk to Glenn about managing his own business end to end, making all of his own products end to end, how he learned how to make something out of raw leather his process, and if there's hope for other people out there that might want to start a small business. You know, this whole thing started because Glenn lost his job at Apple for selling Apple Watch bands that he was making himself. So he talks about that in the interview, and I just think his story is pretty interesting. If you're, you know, interested in being an entrepreneur, you don't know where to start, 
Glenn's your guy. So without further ado, let's bring on Glenn. Well, me and you are, are uh, like, we're similar in that, like, uh, you know, we're both from the same place in New Jersey. You know, this is like, yeah, which makes us exceptional, exceptional people, old bridge people. Right. <laughs> um, and then you, you moved out to California a few years ago. Yeah. Before we dive into your years. life and the things that you do, because I think you're an interesting person, obviously. What how, are you? A, you think you're going to be a lifer in the Cali thing? You're you're there forever. You love it still. I do. I nice. think so. Wow. Yeah. Like it's hard to think about going back. Yeah. Is it to Jersey? Or you, you can't give up the weather and stuff. That's like yeah. what it's all about, really. I gave it up, that, you know. And yeah, uh, I know. And when I first got back here. I was like, this was a huge mistake. Now I'm now I'm kind of readjusted. I think like I'm like, oh yeah, right. East Coast stuff. Like I, you know, I'm cold. I hate. It. Like I'm back. <laughs> yeah, there's an adjustment yeah, right. period. Like, I, but you for That's sure normal. But you that no, out see, here is not normal. That's no. the thing. Like you was you had to get back to like, oh, this is actually what life is like. Right. This is you have to deal with good stuff and bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or California, just like everything's great. Did you still feel that way? <laughs> like because when I first moved out to Cali, I felt like everything's great. Um, yeah. And it never really went away. I just decided to pull the plug before this like made up time frame in my head when things would go south and I wouldn't feel that right. way anymore. I yeah. always thought it was amazing. Do you still you still you wake up every day you're like lemon trees like I'm it's amazing. Like, yeah, everything's still... great. Oh wow. my god, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm you like, are. Yeah, we got palm like trees. Yeah. We got blue skies all the time like yeah, I don't want to I don't want to get like um used to that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like So you're 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 there man. You're going to be a Cali boy. Cali boy forever. Cali boy for life. I'm into that. 4L. That's yeah. cool. All right, Glenn. Well, let's talk about some leather. That's what I kind of uh, – what I wanted to talk about is <laughs> – <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> well, you know, so you're, you're the uh, founder, owner – I don't know what you call yourself – CEO, creative director, principal at KBR. Yeah, I don't know what I call myself either. All-around maker. <laughs> um, but what's – you know, you do a lot of things. Just so our, li- the, our listeners, whoever's listening, all three of you, just so you know – that Glenn has done every single. Not only is he a great leather maker and like do-it-yourself guy and creative visionary, but he's also done all the graphic design for every project at least I've ever done, except this particular one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like my little backyard bites. You used to do my band artwork, everything. Some of it's mm-hmm. hanging on the walls behind me. I don't know if you could see. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah I've got like you know. <laughs> yes, I got all your stuff on the walls. But um, so you're just a super all-around talented guy. But I wanted to talk to you for the podcast. Thank you. It's, it was hard to pick an area of focus, but obviously I want to talk about cave leather and not just like the business itself, which of course is interesting. Like you have, like you have a um, a really good way of branding and marketing, so you're really good at that stuff too. And I kind of want to talk about that, but let's just talk about leather making. There's a, there's yeah. a there's a there's a quote on your site that I thought was a good way to kick off this episode. That's like people say. I'm not reading it directly, so you know I apologize. But it's like you know people say like oh they don't make it like they used to, and you're like they don't. You, yeah, <laughs> you you're making stuff like they used to, right? And I, I I do, yeah, I try to. Mostly, it's like a little combination, I guess. I bring in some modern stuff, and but a lot of a lot of old timey stuff too. Well, let's talk about that journey. Like, I I feel like the, these kind of idea of having a craft like the type that you have, a leather making craft, is very old school. You know, I think of it like a smith <laughs> yeah. mason or what are you? I'm a leatherman. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah. Oh, it's weird. Yeah, I never know how to respond when people ask me like, "What do you do?" I'm like, I. I I make leather work. <laughs> I'm a leather worker. I, I, I manually make. 
Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm one of the four leather workers, the United States. Yeah. Right. I, uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it is weird. It's just like but, it's just not something yeah. that I think everybody does, right? Because there's been like a mass production right, of yeah. stuff over the years where it's it's all factory exactly. assembly lines, I would imagine. But you, yeah. you're like old school, making it by hand, doing it the old way. And I want to talk about that. Like, okay, how did you get into the business of le- of making leather? You know, I remember when you, um, you know, you decided that you wanted to start your own business. But how did how did it dive right. into you being the one? who chops up leather and, you know, how did that, how did yeah. that happen for you? Let's talk um, about that. When I first started doing it, it wasn't with the idea of doing it professionally or full-time or starting a business out of it. Okay. It was just for my own, my own stuff. Yeah. Um, my own, like a keychain, or it was really the Apple watch band that first got it going. Right. Um, right. Cause you, yeah. you were like kind of one of the first people that was like, making bands for the apple watch instead of the, the robot one yeah yeah out, right yeah 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 so like um i was i had the first apple watch wow and um i was working for apple at the time which is a whole other aspect i guess we'll probably get into yeah so yeah i got the apple watch and i was like i want to you know get a nice band for it yeah and everywhere i looked it was either like like cheap rubbery band or like super expensive leather band and there was no like nice sort of like semi-affordable thing it was like one or the other yeah so i was like maybe i could do something like i could just start messing around get like a little like square foot of leather and see what i could figure out (laughs) um and it kind of just went from there and then i made it for myself and i loved it and then some other people thought it looked cool and they were like oh where'd you get it Oh, I made it. I'm like, oh, you should sell it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Haha. And then like, I didn't sell a single thing for like months and months, maybe even a year after I had made my own until I started it, opened up the Etsy shop and it went from there. And then now I do other stuff, wallets and (laughs) other little things. Well, it seems like from there, I mean, once you started selling the the Apple Watch bands, A, first of all, I really mean that you were the first person I remember selling Apple Watch bands. I mean, just for yeah. me. So maybe you're saying that, yeah, I get it. At the time, yeah. At the, at the time, time, there yeah. was really nothing. Like, there was nothing. Original Apple Watch. We're talking like five plus years ago. Yeah. And, and there was probably. companies like doing kind of like new business models for watches, like MVMT and stuff like that in like 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. had like fancy straps and stuff, but it, it, there was nothing to yeah. support. The, you were the only one doing that. I was like, "Yo, we need some nice quality <laughs> Apple Watch bands. Where but are was, they at?" Forward thinking, though, man, because like now there's yeah. so much of that out there. But that, so much. That's what I mean. Like, okay, so whatever. You invented Apple Watch bands, in my opinion. I'm just gonna, I'm just <laughs> yeah, gonna okay. say that. Whether I'll take not... it. I'll allow it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you did <laughs> my head, You did. And then from yeah. there, it seems like though you got really into. Like I said, I admire a lot of what you do with your business. I'll just list off what those things are. Um, I like the way that you've, you know, like you said, you're doing it the way it used to be done. You're doing it all by hand. You do it yourself. You create your own templates and ideas. You, you seems like your templates and ideas are open source. So you share them with other people if they have, yeah, you know, e- equipment and stuff like that. Um, video tutorials, all that stuff. But when you got into, you decided to expand your, your product line. I mean, it seems like now you're like, would you consider yourself a professional leatherman? Yeah, exactly. I do. It's weird. So what you was know, that I do it full like time and it's just like. Um, okay. I mean, it started out like when I, I didn't know what I was doing at all. Like it's, yeah. And then 
basically just by like finding other leather workers on Instagram and stuff, like right. finding people whose stuff I thought looked great yeah, or like just little, like their stitching was better or their edges looked nicer. There's like, you could dive into a super deep rabbit hole with any little aspect of it. Like oh. just asking them what tools they use or what process they used and just trying to like emulate them in yeah. one way or another, not rip off their designs, but like aspects of, the way that they do it yeah. um and just trying to make something unique at the end of the day it's hard to make a wallet for instance that like hasn't been made before there's been like <laughs> a thousand thousands of different wallet designs it's hard to come up with something new but how do but, you um, how do you because you have right like yours do you have yeah a, i have i have a new one. like new ish uh design you know borrowed one way or another from a conglomerate of different <laughs> designs. Well, all ideas, yeah. I think, are you know they're they're a reimagining of parts that are already at work. You know, you, you have yeah, to you have to true. play with the pieces you've got. Mass can't be created or destroyed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But but I mean, like, yeah. do you think that like you know I mentioned when we first started that you you were a graphic you know you do graphic design as well. Does, does those two worlds merge? Like your your eye for design it and is, then your your product. Of it leather? is useful. Yeah. It's definitely come in handy in more ways than one. Like. I designed the website and, you know, all the branding and the, all that stuff. Yeah. But as far as like the product itself, it's like, um, I don't know, just a general like eye for proportion is kind of useful. Like yeah. getting the shape right, the thickness right, like the distance of the stitch from the edge, Jeez. all that sort of stuff. Like it, it overall, it makes a difference, but. You yeah, to, you must. You sound things. like you're a pretty detail-oriented guy. Yeah, that's why I do it all by hand. That's one of the main things because it's much easier to do everything like bit by bit, like hole by hole and stitch by stitch, than to like have it on a machine that you can't really control that precisely. Interesting. Yeah. Does it's a, so? Say you get a. Are you? By the way, you're making every single thing by hand. Everything that you make. Everything that I sell right now um, is stitched by hand. Wow. I do have um, I have a sewing machine, and I've used it for a few like side projects, like gifts for family and bags and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't use it for any current products. I might in the future, and like certain things aren't done by hand, like cutting out the straps, for instance, like the main shape of it. Yeah. I have like a a cutter it's almost like a giant industrial cookie cutter where it's like a big metal thing and a press that'll stamp out that shape so a lot of like the super detailed like measuring cutting out and and all that i could do that quickly wow but the stitching and the gluing it up and finishing the edges and all that stuff that's it. mostly manual mostly manual yeah do people realize that when they order your products that like you i think they do yeah there's a weird <laughs> There is a weird, not weird, beautiful subculture of people who really do appreciate and seek out handmade stuff. Yeah. For that same reason, like the stuff that you could buy in a store for the most part either will disintegrate in like six months mm -hmm. or will cost thousands of dollars and last forever. There's not a good medium that's like, maybe slightly more expensive than you'd find in a store and will last you a really long time. And that's what, kind of what I what, aim for. What's your approach to that medium though? Like, so how did you strike that balance? So you're, you're getting into a new world here. Of Cause it's like, 
Um, yeah, the way I'm able to do it is very small. Like I'm not selling in stores. I don't have to make hundreds or thousands of these items right. at a time. And I couldn't, it's just me. So it's like just one by one, I could do like a few orders a day. Mm-hmm. And as long as I am able to like basically keep the time that it takes me to make something down to a certain point, yeah, it works. It works out. It sounds like a lot. I guess during isolation though, it must've been like easier to do this. Yeah. In some ways, well, obviously it's uh, having like, it's my full time. It's my full time job. So yeah. it's not like this is a side gig anymore. Right. When I was with Apple, it was like two full time jobs, basically. And let's talk about that first. <laughs> Apple basically yeah. told you we don't like we don't like your leather business. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's get into this. Yeah. Let us, <laughs> so you're working for Apple full time and you're doing your side project, which is just an Etsy shop at that point, the leather store, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and, and might have had might have had my website up too, but yeah, it was just you know, very side side business. Apple Corporation um, has a problem with you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is what it is. So yeah. I I knew getting into it that it was some potentially murky territory, <laughs> some slightly gray areas involved yeah. with, you know, the side business selling right, you're making Apple Watch and bands. It, right. Yeah. It's an Apple Watch band and you know, they sell Apple Watch bands, so technically I'm a competitor to them. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds ridiculous but yeah. yeah technically i make a competing product right so knowing that i made this i made the the decision and i was very um i was very mindful to never like promote it at work like to my customers <laughs> hey, buying by an way, apple watch uh, be like hey by the way <laughs> you, you want know, a nice watch nice you this want apple this, watch this stock you just bought Here's my business card. Yeah. I didn't do that. Yeah. So I didn't do that, right? Yeah. I knew enough that that would be like clearly over the line. Right. But yeah, I had I had the side business and um uh yeah, if people would ask me, you know, where'd you get that band, I would just be like, Oh, I made it and leave it at that. Yeah. Um and I was I had a good relationship with all my managers. So any like touch base that I had, I would tell them what I was up to in life. Yeah. as well as work so i'd be like oh i started this side business and f- they were like oh wow that's really cool like that's that's great you know congratulations i hope it works out blah 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 by the way what are you selling glenn <laughs> yeah no yeah i was like yo i started selling these apple watch bands and they were like that's cool so um and that was all fine for a long time for like a year or so i had been doing the side business and the working at apple yeah. And I was a genius at the time. And um You're still things started <laughs> Yeah, I'm still a genius. I had to get that um, joke and yeah, continue. Yeah. <laughs> um and then things changed one day. At that point we had recently got a new store leader and he was I think he was looking into it in some way. So like my my direct manager brought me into the office and was like, Hey, you remember that um that like side business that you were doing are you still doing that i'm like yeah he's like all right cool you, you sell like apple watch bands and stuff right i was like yeah he's like you sell anything else and i was like no not not at the time i was really just at that point straight up apple watch bands yeah i was like yeah no and i was like and he was like okay and like that was that that was the end of the conversation yeah and then like a week later we talk again and he's kind of saying like 
uh, you know, you really can't be doing this. And I was kind of like, yeah, well, I don't know. I'm probably going to keep doing it. Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. that was my, my reaction. And then like, <laughs> like the next, the, like the next day and like the next week or something, I went into work one morning and they were like, Hey, can we talk outside for a minute? And like, that was it. They just like told me that I was being let go and gave me my papers and was like, yeah, competing product, you know, you breached the, the contract or whatever. And how, so, did that, how did that feel in that moment? Were you, uh, I'm curious, like, were you empowered to get home and start fucking making some leather and, and, or were yeah. you like, or were you like, Oh it man, was, I've ruined my life. Like where, where were you? When it that was happened? a little of both. Yeah. You know, it was like, at one at one hand it was like like cool this is my opportunity now like yeah. i have no choice but to make this work like i'm gonna grind and make it work yeah. but it was also like damn like i actually really liked my job and i worked there for like seven years or something yeah i was like killing it i was like <laughs> one of the top dudes and like you know yeah. it was just i liked it still still i think it was a great job so right. i was like damn they really they really did me like that that was kind of <laughs> like Wow. And like, oh, shit, now I don't have health insurance. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. That was a bummer. Right. But like, but yeah, as far as like now being able to fully go 100% in on what I wanted to do all along, that was that was pretty cool. So do like, you, Do you think it could have, have happened without that moment? Because I've, I've talked to a few people on the show that were in that situation. Like, you know, Justin from we went to high school. With yeah. Him. Similar yeah. situation. He had to leave his job and it forced him to dive the sink or swim, the fight or flight mechanism. Right. Do you yeah. think that you'd be where you are today if that hadn't happened to you? I don't I don't think so, man. Like yeah. it's it would be so hard to step away from that like stability and that guaranteed yeah. every two weeks you get this amount of money, like yeah. all that stuff is gone now. And that's just like <laughs> completely up to me. You know, like yeah. That's, that's so cool though, because like, yeah, it's completely up to you and yeah, you don't have stability, but I mean I feel like the it must have opened up a new like a new gateway to freedom that you could have never. Conceived. It opens up a new, yeah, a whole new part of your brain, which is just like, yeah, now that I have unlimited op like possibilities, like when your day is completely void of any, <laughs> of any like requirements of whatsoever. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, I could just do, do whatever, which is yeah. a gift and a curse because sometimes you just don't do anything. I'm just right. like, oh, okay. You know, when you don't have to, you don't have to, but then, <laughs> and then you then you pay for it later. But well, yeah, well, how, do you, how, like do you, how do you organize that? I mean, because you must have to sell stuff, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and, it's and still keep yeah money coming in, but at the same time, right. you want to keep innovating, right? And and design. Right. So how yeah. do you balance that? How do you balance that? Like between like the go to market, which you're doing completely of your on your own without talking to customers or hiring anybody, and then yeah. be developing new. How do you how do you discover Glenn has new problems he needs to solve for himself? Right. <laughs> yeah. It it ebbs and flows. Like yeah. when orders are coming in like crazy, it's just making orders nonstop. Yeah. And like I'm lucky if I get an Instagram post up. Yeah. But when orders slow down, I could zoom out and be like, okay, let me work on my website. Let me make some new products. Let me you know figure out how my emails are doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's always something that I'm like, oh man, I'm really, I'm really not doing this part very well right now because <laughs> I'm always focusing on something else. Like there's, yeah, I'm never done. That's what it is. I'm like never, 
done. <laughs> yeah, and that's great. I mean, I feel like life is like that in general. Like, you know, like Frank Zappa has this famous quote that I always repeat. It's like that a mix is it applies to music, obviously, but it's like a mix is never finished. You just kind of have to abandon it at some point. You just decide you're done. Yeah. You know, but it's not really done. You're done. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. And I, think that applies, <laughs> I, like that. I, I think that applies to a lot of a lot of stuff that yeah you know, that we do that we do as people. And I mean, I don't know, man. It, it's I'm, I'm fascinated by this concept of being like like having to make it and having to manage your own time. So the transition to being home all the time. You know, not that you're, <laughs> didn't, not that, didn't make a difference. Didn't, didn't for make me. that much of a difference. <laughs> it was to you, right? completely the same life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and if anything, that's what I meant by when I asked that question earlier. Like, this must have made it even easier. There's less distractions, right? I yeah. mean, maybe business is slower because of the impact of COVID on the global economy. Yeah. Um, right. But and people have less like extra but, cash. But yeah. But still, but it yeah, must as have, far the as the day to day, good. The day to day workflow lifestyle, and I don't even have. Um, I work out of my apartment. Like I don't even have a workshop that yeah. I go to. Like I'm literally just here all the time. <laughs> so it's yeah, the 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 lockdown or whatever you want to call it. Is that heavy? Is it, is it heavy to work in the same place where you live? Like, do you sometimes you're like you need a break for like you ever like just be like I gotta get the fuck out of here? <laughs> <laughs> I only ask that because one yeah. of the th- I, you know, I've now been working from home for a year too. I mean, on you know, yeah, I wasn't my plan, and yeah. I found I found that I really like it a lot. Um, yeah like i yeah like, i do too it's it's i but do too i do need like like i tried my best to set up like I and mean, this is just me and you can tell me if you agree with this but i was like i need to like compartmentalize like like i there's has to be a room in the apartment where i do work stuff yes correct you know I mean? and then i leave that room and it's like a different room but it's like i don't do anything serious in here you know yeah 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 that's the, that approach. i think that's the way to do it yeah yeah um i have like this there's this one spot in my apartment that's like a little almost like a nook like an a cove where yeah. all my stuff is oh boy so that's all my leather work stuff and and like my my computer desk so if i'm not doing leather work i'm i'm on the computer sometimes but it's pretty much just like a work spot and um yeah. when you like you say you decide like you need like to you know you hear about like new techniques and stuff like that so does that open up a world of like Oh, dude, this guy's making it this way. I think I'd like to. I need this five thousand dollar machine, like you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, is that how? Is, sorry, I just find this very. I like. I'm genuinely getting out of it. Yeah. I find what you do very inspiring and interesting, and I'm just uh, trying to yeah. sift through the ins and outs. <laughs> and a lot of people that listen to this show are people that want to do their own thing, like are creative and like kind of entrepreneurial yeah, spirit. Sure. So at least that's yeah. why I'm asking you these level of questions. So what do you do in that situation? Like, damn it, now I need a five thousand dollar machine because I want to do yeah. this. You know. So the first expensive machine that I got was like a $1,500 machine. And that's the industrial cookie cutter machine. Damn. So the reason I got that (laughs) was to make everything quicker. Mm -hmm. And that's really what, when I'd have to decide if I'm going to get a new tool, even if it's like, you know, a $20 tool or a $2,000 thing, it's like how much quicker and easier is it going to make the process? Yeah. So that cutting a watch band out might take like 10 or 15 minutes before and now it's seconds because i just go and that's it so obviously over time that pays for itself and that's kind of what i'm looking to to do if i'm gonna buy something like that but yeah like right now i want a laser cutter i want a laser cutter so bad 
Oh, and it is five or six thousand dollars. Wow, I made that number and, up and it turned out to be pretty accurate. And like the size of a desk, you know, wow. it's like a giant thing, so I don't really have room for it. But if I got that, I'd be able to cut out anything without even using the cookie cutter. Because mm-hmm. when I use the cookie cutter, I gotta buy they're called dies. They're like the the shapes. So you gotta order from some dude, hey, I need this shape in a mm-hmm. with a with a blade on it, basically. And then they make the shape and they send it. And those are expensive, so they add up over time. If I had a laser cutter, I could just be like, here's the design, boop, over to the laser cutter, and they would cut it out right away. And also, you can cut out, like, templates and stuff. So a lot of the dudes that have one, they sell, like, acrylic plastic templates of all their designs. So you could just order from them, and then someone could trace it out with the template, cut it out. So, like, it would be useful. It would pay for itself, I'm sure. I just don't have, like, the space or, you know, it'd have to have, like, an exhaust thing. (laughs) But, oh, yeah, there's always, there's always, always, always tools to buy. (laughs) Yeah, and it sounds like that's the way that you've learned leather work is, like, just by discovering what you need, right? And then learning the tools. Yeah, Yeah. started out with, like, the cheapest stuff possible. Yeah. There's a leather store that's, like, a chain around the country, actually. It's called Tandy Leather. Mm-hmm. And there's one, or there's a few actually in LA. I don't know if there's any on the East Coast, but yeah, you can go there and get like a basic, um, like hole punch, a basic um, stitching punch, and like all the the necessary stuff. Yeah. And then just naturally, as you're making stuff, you're like, oh, this doesn't come out that well. I wonder why. And then it's like, oh, there's like a version of this that costs twice as much that works way better. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well get that eventually. Like, yeah. That's, always uh, either looking for a better a better result or a quicker, more efficient result, I guess. Do you do you draw up your designs before you start thinking about how to cut them and make them and order the pieces for it? That's a good question. I always start with the like whatever is going in it, like if it's a wallet or if it's I guess a watch band, I wouldn't necessarily. But say I'm making a wallet. I'm gonna start with like the credit card itself. Mm-hmm. Or like the stacks of the stack of cards that I want to go into the wallet, and I oh. just put that on a piece of paper and I'll trace it, and then from there I could go like I'll measure like three eighths of an inch around that, and that's like the allowance for the leather itself. Wow! Um, you can just you keep sort of doing it, or I'll just take a piece of paper and straight up like wrap it around the thing that I want it to go around yeah. and measure it. It always starts with a paper template, just usually like drawing it or tracing it by hand and cutting it out and oh as you know it's a little bit too big do another one and just trace that shape and make it a little bigger until yeah. i have something that looks really good over the product and then from there i'll scan it into my computer and do it all in illustrator adobe illustrator so i'll trace it and get like an actual perfect vector perfect angles and all that um and then i could print that out cut that out trace it onto the leather and make sure that it still actually works as leather. Um, Cause the leather being, you know, a little bit thick, much thicker than a piece of paper. Sometimes it doesn't translate perfectly from just a sheet of paper to actual leather with thickness. Yeah. So I'll have to like <laughs> this, obviously they can't see it because it's a podcast, but this is an AirPods cover yeah. and oh, like, wow, see cool. how it's like, right this button is like right at the tip there yeah i didn't want it to be like it needs to be like maybe like an eighth of an inch 
thicker. This was like the first one that I did to test it out. So I just use it for my own AirPods. I don't, I don't care if it's slightly off, but yeah, it was like, I had to adjust it ever so slightly. No, I saw the template for it though. Oh, okay. For the, uh, for the, the smaller one. Yeah. That's on my list of things to do. One of the many, like, Oh, I should put that up on the site. I should. Well, it's interesting because, like, again, like you said, like you saw your own. Like, I saw that and I was like, dude, I got to have one of those. That's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, talk to me about, like, okay, that makes sense how you build the templates. But where are you get it? Can you explain to me a little bit about the leather, the world of leather? And I don't know how much you know about it. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, let's talk about, I would like, love what? To. Let's go deep. Like, the just the raw material itself. Yeah. Like, as leather. far as leather. Leather. Yeah. Leather. All right. Not something I think about that much. Making leather, where pe- where leather comes from. Where it comes from. Yeah. All right. I'm going to start off with the word genuine leather. Nice. You've seen this, I'm sure. On every, like, pretty much everything is like. Genuine. Every leather thing that you ever see in any store. Yeah. Whether. Yeah, no matter what, it's going to say genuine leather. And before I got into this world, I was like, oh, that's legit. Obviously, like, that's what I'm looking for. That should be what you buy because it's genuine. And genuine leather (laughs) is like the garbage of garbage leather. Of course. It's just like in bottom of the barrel, just like (laughs) scraps and and glue and dye. They'll take they'll take pieces of what they cut off of the good stuff. Yeah. And essentially, like, like, um, almost like plywood, they'll like stack it on top of one another and glue it together and like create man-made leather, essentially. <laughs> so it's leather. Some fat cats or some corporation. It's leather, like, and we'll yeah, call right. it genuine. We'll call it and genuine. nobody will know all the wiser. That's and how it, everything yeah, is. Exactly. Yeah. And it sounds real nice. Sounds yeah. nice. So, genuine. So it is technically it is leather, you know, it comes from a cow or whatever (laughs) animal. Um, But yeah, so that's no good. And that's why everything falls apart because there's no actual strength. Real leather is like fibers that they're, they're all like they pack and they pack down onto one another. And at the top of it, it's super, super compact and like super dense and that's why you get all your strength. It's from the top, the very top of the leather, like the outside flesh of it, basically. And the further down you go, the looser those fibers are and the less strength they have. So if you take those really low down stuff and like put some dye on it and like a nice seal over it, it'll look nice, but it doesn't have any of the actual strength. All this to say, I use something called full grain leather which is like the whole thing. You get all the strength top to bottom and maybe they have to cut down some of the very low down stuff, the loose, not, not strong stuff anyway, just to get it to like a good thickness. Like it can't be super, super thick. Maybe they'll have to get it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, so wait, anyway, let's, uh, oh, let's oh, see that, how, yeah. That's, yeah. Super, so. that's super interesting. I mean, like do, and so, when these companies are sourcing leather, I mean, is it, is, is there like a farm to table yeah. aspect of this thing? You there, know what I mean? There is a little bit. So I, I, I didn't know this until actually pretty very recently, but um, leather is somewhat of a sustainable material. Like the leather in most cases that I get comes from cows that would be like used for meat and stuff anyway. Like okay. they're going, they're going to be 
slaughtered yeah. for some other purpose. They're not just leather cows. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Like I didn't know so there was such a thing as a leather cow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah. I thought that, you know, if I'm getting leather from a place, I thought that those, that came from a cow that was like supposed to eventually turn into leather, you know, like, right. but no, it's some, um, they come from essentially waste from some other industry, like, like meat or whatever. Yeah. So, so that's cool. But, um, there are like main big, like well-known, they're called tanneries and that's where the leather comes from. So like the really good ones are in the U S mm-hmm. there's one called wicked and Craig mm-hmm. They're in Pennsylvania. That's where I get most of my leathers from now. I've sort of transferred over like little by little to like get to the, to the point where I sell all of just their stuff. Cause it's yeah. like the best. There's another one called Horween, which is really good. They're in Chicago. And they're um, at, the, at these places, they're they're dealing with cows and parts. Yeah, and they're I don't know how you make leather, but I imagine it's in some it's a you, tanning like, process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's there's it. two types of leather. There's vegetable tanned and chrome tanned leather. Wow. And this is also getting pretty deep into it. But vegetable tanned is higher quality. It takes like months to get from just cow, you know, skin to vegetable tanned leather. Yeah. Through all these different processes, they owe, they they soak it in like like root and like bark extracts and stuff until like <laughs> it becomes a material that could last lifetimes. Um, chrome chrome tan stuff is still high quality, but it's much much quicker to make. It only takes a few days, mm-hmm. and they use more like chemicals and stuff, so it's not as environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm trying to get away from that stuff and just over to like straight vegetable tanned. Nice. vegetable tanned ages better too you get that like like they call it, uh, patina so it's like uh it'll start off like a light brown tan and just over time gets like that dark like brown like coffee like mocha color to it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um yeah so it's like just levels there's levels to this leather game <laughs> you so, always want to like get it. the highest quality stuff that you can get weirdly weirdly like although leather as a material is like very like high up there and super good quality and like it's not the most expensive part of an item and that's a lot of like the misconception of like why does this cost so much like you can get leather for not that expensive but the time that it takes to make something is essentially like what the price comes from do you think that leather is back? Do you think that I feel like uh, it's kind of leather back. never went away, baby. Oh. <laughs> I feel like it kind of went away. Well, it, it went away in this sense, like in with like with everything in the U.S. Like throughout our lifetimes, it, I feel like it's the pendulum swung like this. Like like you said, we used to do it a certain way, and everything was like real and made from real quality, high quality ingredients. And then when we were growing up in the '90s, it was like, let's just do it all the worst, the cheapest. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we'll just we'll just we'll eat the worst stuff, we'll wear the worst stuff, we'll do it the worst. Like, we'll we'll, we'll make corporations as rich as humanly possible. We'll yeah. we'll all get cancer, and that that's it's good. And then now yeah. we're like, our generation is like, wait, hey, hang on a sec. We want to go yeah. back to the good, like the way you know right. the good stuff is, and yeah. we're oh, like yeah. slowly getting there. We so, care about like the corporate welfare aspect of things. Like, you want to be doing good in the right. world. Right, yeah, right. you don't just want to be by, like, is it purely bad? extractive <laughs> and like. <laughs> yeah, and people had no problems like like you know wearing fake stuff like at least you know what I mean yeah. back in the day. 
Yeah. Um. So, but I feel like now there's like yeah, like people are more, especially with like the gig culture, like the startup, like the the idea of like small businesses being able to penetrate these large markets where they wouldn't have been able to even have a path into it years ago before you know viral marketing and, and SaaS subscription models and stuff like that. I yeah. feel like um. I feel like now things are, are far more attainable is what I'm trying to say. Like a Absolutely. small supplier, like you can reach a lot of people. Yeah. For anyone out there that's like wants to do something like start a small business. Now, this is what I've realized. Like now is the time where being an artist of any sort mm-hmm. is actually like attainable to make a living while being an artist because of social media and stuff, because you could just like have one, specific style of painting or cartoon or something that people actually really dig and you find your your audience and you could just make it work like never before would anyone you be you like tell your parents i want to be an artist and they'd be like yeah sure okay you better be an accountant but now (laughs) it's like you're better off being an artist almost because then you're unique and you have something that that other people don't necessarily have um that's that's a really interesting perspective on it yeah it's it's true because it's like anything you you know there used to be that there's a barrier to entry in terms of an audience you know it was like now there's zero now there's (laughs) zero well the the the, it's really it's about the grit of yourself of being able to reach those exactly (laughs) yeah and that's the struggle for me constantly i'm sure i still don't like to do like instagram social media stuff that's the struggle like that's the work making stuff is the easy part and like putting it out there for people to see is the hard part. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, even yeah. on even on my side, like while I still have like a stable job and stuff like that, I you know I, do, I make this podcast, I do some music stuff. Best part is making it. Um, I, yeah. I I find it's like impossible to like I I hate that stuff too. It just sucks. Yeah. Like you know, it sucks yeah. because we know that social media kind of like is degrading our society and it's ruining yeah. our brains and ruining yeah. our attention span and <laughs> ruining like, you know, like interfering with elections. Like, it's just like, it's just, the, it's not a, gr- a good thing really for right. the world. Sort of. It seems like right now, right. unless it changes course. Um, right. But at the same time you, you need it because you have access to these audiences. You know, like if you think of it like music, like remember like record companies, like, you know, like I remember being in high school was like, I want to get a record deal. Like why? Yeah. You want to get signed, right? You want to get signed because they were the only ones that would be able to promote you, get you on the right. radio. And right and now, I mean, anybody that, that has, that's doing something cool, if you know how to reach people on, you know, you can, that's, that's like mm-hmm. very, very cool. I think like about the yeah. world now, now anybody can have a time. Niche. Yeah. Now's the time to, now's to the time. try to start something or to break out and, you know, just make it happen. You could actually do it. Yeah. There's no gatekeepers anymore. It's kind of incredible. And the, the and, and so true, like, you know, I used to struggle a lot, especially when I was living in California when I was a little younger, which actually means I was younger now. It's so much time <laughs> has gone by where that was like six, five, six years ago. Oh, my um, God. I mean, I've only been home for, here on the East Coast for three years, but I used to be like, man, I want to be this one day. I want to be that. Like, I got to do these. I never really realized until like a year or so ago that all I had to do was just slowly start doing things like just that. do and, it. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah, do exactly. It. And that bubbles up until like I am those things. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're right. I read a study the other day. I was like, it's really like I couldn't sleep like two in the morning. And I read some like psychologist paper on the relationship between <laughs> habits and uh, and identity and mm-hmm. uh, that like 
a lot of our identity and the way that we perceive ourselves and the way that we think other people perceive us is a culmination of m smaller micro habits. So it's like if you have a habit oh, that's of giving, interesting. Yeah, like if you have a habit of giving blood, you know, you, 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 yeah, okay, you might give blood. That might be the habit that you do. Like a ha you habitually give blood. Like you know every Tuesday you got to give blood. But your identity maps to I'm a blood donor, you know, and, and then it's like, yeah, all, all I can say. And, 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 and then there's like, I'm charitable, like I'm I charitable. care about other I'm people. A philanthropist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a humanitarian. Yeah. And all of that plays into our identity. And I, I think um, that was powerful for me because like, it's like, yeah. It's like, fake until you, you make it. Honestly, exactly. like if you, if you boil it down, that actually works. <laughs> it actually works. Like you just start, you just do things a little bit and then it starts to unfold. I mean, like. I keep talking about on this show because it's like a bummer because like my my stand up career was sky it was it wasn't like skyrocketing or anything but nothing was but happening doing except it. that I was doing it all the time it was consistent it was yeah. consistent and I felt like a stand up comic like which was like yeah. a, a huge breakthrough for me because yeah maybe nobody came to see me and maybe I bombed all the time but I did it all the time so if someone said are you a yeah. stand up comic I could say yes and not You're feel like, like a liar yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and now without without those little micro behaviors and habits, you don't really feel that you're like, oh, kind of like COVID, like, you know, so right. it's like, <laughs> um, but anyway, that's all I'm trying to say is it sounds like you like made it happen. Um, yeah, th through 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 building these like little micro behaviors. And now you have the identity of a Leatherman. Yeah, this is this is going to inspire me to actually like put up a, a post or like <laughs> send out an email, like do all the things. Uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on the Real People Pod. This was a fun interview, and it was great to talk to you about the ins and outs of leather. It was fun, man. Thanks for having me. I think me. you're an inspiring guy, and we'll talk. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Be yeah. well. You too. Okay, that was my interview with Glenn Rosenthal. <laughs> you know, the reason it stopped short at the end there is because we had to redo the outro a few times. I just didn't have a good take. So with this episode, it just kind of ended. Thank you for coming on, Glenn. Here's a Noiser Diamond song. This is Sinking Ships.
I'd like to thank you for coming no. on the podcast. Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no, it's all it's all we do. Uh, tell He's Gabby great. I said hi. Yeah. Uh,